Hello, everyone. We're so glad you could join us today. I know it's a busy season, but we try to keep this time very holy. Um, we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. It is our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with the subject of, Is the Universe, Including Man, Evolved by Atomic Force? We're so glad you all are here today. We will start with our morning prayer. Yes, I'm reading excerpts from Mrs. Eddy, what she said to her students uh, from page 128 and 139 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. My beloved students, may this year, dear Christmas season, be to you a Christ risen, a morn, the break of day. There is nothing jubilant attached to the birth of a mortal that suffers and pays the penalty of his parents' misconception of man and of God's creation. But there is a joy unutterable in knowing that Christ had no birth, no death, and that we may find in Christ, in the true sense of being, life apart from birth, sorrow, sin, and death. Oh, may your eyes not be holding, but may you discern spiritually what is our Redeemer. May you watch and pray that you keep the commandments and live the sermon in the mount this coming year. Let the good you can do and the stimulation of action keep your mind from dwelling on the past, for the present demands your care and you must go forth to meet the future calm and strong. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you very much. That is beautiful. Put that on the carousel and the liberator. That's beautiful. Thank you. What were those pages again? 128 and 159 of the blue book. Thank you. Perfect message. Okay, Linda, the watching point. Watch number 153. Watch, let you, watch lest you accept the common notion that the small power represented by David's little stone overthrew a great power called Goliath. David, as the visible representative and manifestation of the omnipotence of divine mind, was the invincible giant, equipped with infinite power that overthrew Goliath whose power lay wholly in deception through size. Thus, when we come to a problem that seems gigantic, we should not ask God for more power. We should handle animal magnetism, that our eyes may be open to see the things in their proper relationship and size. Then we will recognize ourselves as representatives of God, equipped with omnipotence, going forth to meet a foe, no more to be feared than a sparrow. Christian science does not equip man with greater and greater power so that he may go forth to meet the gigantic forces of evil. But it takes from his eyes the magnifying glasses of sense testimony, which cause air to loom up as real 
swollen in size and power. The belief of matter birth puts mortal minds glasses of material vision on mortals, so that the pygmy of human powerlessness and nothingness is swollen to appear as a Goliath of power and vengeance. When spiritual understanding takes away this distortion and enables man to have a clear vision, he beholds the, other, um, the utter nothingness of nothing and the great fact of God's allness. In this way, the Goliath immortal mind is vanquished. End quote. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Oh, boy, I love this watch this week. Oh, this is magnificent. Mm -hmm. Because it really, it, I, it helped me all week with my watches. And I won't forget it. Because when you know that you're the representative of the only power, those things that seem so big out there, they're not. They're not. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It really is the key to the science. And, and you know, certainly apply it to this. And I, I heard on the news, which amused me, or maybe I read it in the, in the paper, but anyway, said so the only way you can catch the nameless nothing is through the media. <laughs> and so, uh, listening to the listening to the mesmeric suggestions of it. So, um, yeah, it's wonderful. Think, Go ahead, Lauren. No, I think it's everything, everything, including, you know, this this one that we have to deal with now. I mean, when we, we make, we are the ones who make the error something. And it's so wonderful to learn from science that you make the error nothing right as you can, as soon as you can. This way you are the master of the occasion, <laughs> as Mrs. Eddie puts it. Thank you. You put it. In its place, nothingness, powerlessness. And what's been helping me is to keep the thought that God is the only power. He has all the power, no matter what. That's very helpful to me. Absolutely. That's where we stand. Um, I just want to say magnifying glasses. I thought that was really actually funny because uh, a lot of times when you know, we learn how to demonstrate over something and we get a healing afterwards. We can't really remember why we were worried so much. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's so right. I found that really fascinating, that analogy. When you've really had a healing, the whole thing is, is truly like a bad dream. It's like it never happened. It never touched you. You look back and say, what was I so afraid of? Until you really reach that point, and until you can talk about it freely, you know, you, you need to get there because otherwise you're still afraid of it or you still think it had some power over you, even in the past. It had no power. It was nothing. It was just nothing. A false belief. And this magnifying, you know, mankind gets the suggestion, and, and what magnifies it? The media, right? <laughs> Academia, Interior own, Medica, that study it, and they make oh. a law about it. I mean, it's this stuff does get magnified, folks. <laughs> yeah. And what did Mary say? 
My soul doth magnify the Lord. That's what we magnify. Who else was trying to speak? Hi, this is Debbie. And for me, this watching point goes hand in hand with what I'm realizing that mortal mind is always the negative um, view of everything and realizing that and that I need to flip it the opposite way to, to God and to positive, and that's where the power is. Thank you. Yes. Anytime you're negative or feeling fearful or doubtful, you're in the wrong mind and you need to wake yourself up and get back on the right track. Because ultimately, and Mrs. Evans made this point to us many, many, many times, mortal mind is a murderer. That is its objective. That's why it's so negative. That's why you can't linger in it. She also said, mortal mind has not been good enough to me that I want to linger in it or loiter in it. You can't. That's what Florence was saying, be so instant in that truth. The minute it suggests something, smash it down. And as you grow in this science, you become more aware of those negative and fearful suggestions. At first, you just seem, you know, you, you haven't filtered your thought yet. And, and they all seem, it seems so aggressive. But that's where you have to stand your ground and one by one, deal with it. Not let it knock you over. Anybody else? The thought seems so aggressive before science that I thought they were like part of my identity. So yeah, you <laughs> it's do nice to have to know the difference. Now. You do. You think it's part of your identity. You you don't realize that it's their lies you're listening to. You just think that's the truth because that's the truth you've lived with probably all of your life till till you've been reeducated. Now, what goes along with, and I've been working with this week, um, what goes along with this subject is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force, is Mrs. Eddy's article in Miscellaneous Writings, One Cause and Effect. It is so powerful. And it's all the things we talk about and all the things that's in the lesson. She starts off with Christian science begins with the first commandment of the Hebrew Decalogue. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It goes on in perfect unity with Christ's Sermon on the Mount, and in that age culminates in the revolution, excuse me, revelation of St. John, who, while on earth and in the flesh like ourselves, beheld a new heaven and a new earth, the spiritual universe, whereof Christian science now bears testimony. And then she goes on, and this is such a, complete treatment for right now science is neither a law of matter nor of man it is the unerring manifesto of mind the law of god its divine principle who dares say that matter or mortals can evolve science whence then is it if not from the divine source and what but the contemporary of christianity so far in advance of human knowledge that mortals must work for the discovery of even a portion of it. So don't complain if you're having to work on this. Christian science translates mind, God, to mortals. It is the infinite calculus defining the line, plane, space, and fourth dimension of spirit 
it absolutely refused the amalgamation, transmigration, transmigration, absorption, or annihilation of individuality. And then, it shows the impossibility of transmitting human ills or evil from one individual to another. That all true thoughts revolve in God's orbits. They come from God and return to Him. And untruths belong not to His creation. Therefore, these are null and void. It hath no peer, no competitor, for it dwelleth in Him, besides whom there is none other. It goes on, but that is such a treatment for right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it starts with the first commandment, which is what we always start with. There's no other power other than God. And anything else is rendered false and void. It's not true. And, the, and here we stand. So help us, God. And those who get this are so greatly blessed. And then I also, this week, I turn to this in Questions and Answers, page 53. If Christian science is the same as Jesus taught, why is it not more simple so that all can readily understand it? The teachings of Jesus were simple, and yet he found it difficult to make the rulers understand because of their great lack of spirituality. Christian science is simple and readily understood by the children. Only the thought educated away from it finds it abstract or difficult to perceive. Its seeming abstraction is the mystery of godliness, and godliness is simple to the godly. But to the unspiritual, the ungodly, it is a dark, it is dark and difficult. The carnal mind cannot discern spiritual things. So But ask is anybody naturally unspiritual? No. No. Is that the is that the real nature of anybody? No. 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 It's the result of years of indoctrination of false beliefs. Everybody is naturally spiritual. That's why there's hope for all of us. And that's why you speak to anyone, always speak, knowing you're speaking to that part in him or her, that it's naturally there and you can address it. Um, it's there, and God will give you the wisdom to know what to say and how. Who, who wanted to speak? No, I was just saying this is why Mississippi is saying that, you know, man is really not born immortal, but it's a misconception from of parents, primarily, I'm sure, uh, that, that kind of gives that sense of, this false sense completely away from what we really are. Thank you. Yes, that was read so beautifully today. Thank you. I mean, what she says, this whole thing that we're not evolved by atomic force is so revolutionary because what Mrs. Eddy is saying is that all is mind. 
and its infinite manifestation. She goes in this article, One Cause and Effect, she quotes her scientific statement of being. But it takes, it does take some degree of spirituality to perceive it and not argue and all that can't be true. And so that's why some people reading Science and Health for the first time say, cowabunga, wow, this is great. Just as I just read, no, no human could have written this. This is a divine revelation. While others say, oh my gosh, I can't understand a word this woman is writing about. <laughs> and, and if that happens to be you, then keep at it. Yeah, definitely keep at it. Took me a bit. <laughs> it, it usually takes all of us a bit. And, you know, don't, uh, don't get frustrated if, uh, if you don't understand the nothingness of matter. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Einstein even perceived somewhat the nothingness of matter by, by revelation. And it got proved in the laboratory by his peers. And there's an article, uh, not sure who wrote it, about atoms, you know, atomic force. The force that appears is not a material force. It is mind manifest. It is the force of mind being manifest. We see it with our eyes. And it appears material to our eyes. There's that book, The Comforter, from Physics to Metaphysics that has been talked about during the roundtable before. The lady's a, you know, some sort of physicist who is also a Christian scientist, and she goes through it. It's quite a big book. She goes through all Yes, yep, yeah. We talked it up a while ago. Some of you did get it. it is, it's, it's two volumes, isn't it? She goes into the chapters of the Bible as well um, and takes it all apart. But what, what better thing do you have to do with your time than this, to understand the science more, to get more deeply into it, to mainly to practice it more? Um, I love, and, and we have it now on the um, website, what Martha Wilcox said about Mary uh, in The Power of a Right Idea. A small group of metaphysical thinkers during the Roman Empire, the darkness of that Roman Empire, working together in purity and in love, um, obeying the laws that they thought were important at that time, and mainly Mary's pure thought and deep desire to bring forth the Messiah, brought it forth at that time. So my point to you is what cannot be achieved if we do this together in unity? I mean, I have asked myself a lot, well, what are we bringing forth? I would say the millennium. I would say the reign of Christ for a thousand years. What else is there? And how... how drastically needed is it now isn't it it is our refuge and from this this storm all about us now also we're going to have on the on the website because next week our our uh, lesson is does not have the nativity usually we always try to do that at easter the uh, resurrection and christmas the nativity but we will have it on the website 
you can read it and be listening to it. And of course, we have it on Christmas Eve. Now, Linda, you wrote on your forum about mesmerism concerning Hezekiah, right? Yes, that um, it was based on the letter that someone had shared with us, uh, Mrs. Eddy, to a student. And uh, I don't know if you want to read part of it or not. Yeah, you can read part of it. Okay. It, it starts with, quote, my dear Mr. Packard and student, you are held by a mesmeric belief to the thought that you cannot demonstrate Christian science. Demand of yourself to awake from this glamour and know it is false and a liar from the beginning. Do you think that divine love has said, seek and ye shall find, and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? and all these things shall be added unto you, and then fail to fulfill his word. That's wonderful. It's just beautiful. But I just made me look at the whole story of Hezekiah different this time. He had to be shaken. There's thought. And I just felt like this, because there's one part where she even says not to go back. Um, Rouse yourself from the spell of mesmerism, but, and by no means return to material pursuits. I love that. Bitten rouse means to wake from sleep or repose, to excite to thought or action from a state of idleness, languor, stupidity, and inattention, to put into action, to agitate. So I thought that was just what she's saying, rouse yourself. (laughs) Thank you. And that is over and over in her works. Um, Anytime that that you're not achieving something, it's always you handle the mesmeric belief. It's a mesmeric belief. If you go at it as a, as a reality, well, then you're cooked. Uh-huh. No, no, it's funny where she says, put your hand down. <laughs> you know, the, the thing that you're worrying yourself about is your own hand up against you. Put your hand down. It's just funny <laughs> where she expresses that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda, for posting that on the forum. It's exactly what I needed, exactly um, to, to keep my progress going. You're welcome. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. In the responsive reading, we were talking about shaking him out of their mesmerism, and it says, which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble. And I thought that was a really good thing to have in there. (laughs) Right, right. It also speaks beautifully about the the beasts and, and the fowls of the air, and they shall teach you and speak to you. All of nature speaks to us of God's love when we see it correctly. That's a beautiful thought. Um, and then Gary will read what Parthens posted. Uh, this is yeah, Parthens post. Uh, this week's lesson basically asks, was the universe created by atomic force? Believing this means rejecting the first great commandment and supplanting it with belief in a second cause, which is serving creature rather than creator, effect rather than cause. This mentality is symbolized in the allegory of the prodigal son who forsook the father's house, the house of the first and only cause or origin, in an attempt to find fulfillment in secondary things. And then he quotes uh, Science and Health first edition, the prodigal's reversal and return, quote, if today the general thought, that is the people's idea of God, embraced the science of being, man's longevity would increase tenfold, 
that is from 70 years to 700 years, and immortality be brought to light. The years of man will be extended as the belief of intelligent matter is destroyed, until at length a full recognition of truth shall destroy all sin, sickness, and death. Error will continue 7,000 years from the time of Adam its origin. At the expiration of this period, truth will be generally comprehended, and science roll back the darkness that now hides the eternal sunshine and lift the curtain on paradise, where earth produces at command of intelligence, not by the myth of atomic force, and soul instead of sense governs man, end quote. <coughs> also, he quotes from the current edition, quote, there is but one primal cause, Therefore, there can be no effect from any other cause. And there can be no reality in aught which does not proceed from this great and only cause. Sin, sickness, disease, and death belong not to the science of being. They are the errors which presuppose the absence of truth, life, or love. End quote. So... Um First, I, I love that about the prodigal son. He forsook the father's house. You know, I've been speaking a lot lately about staying in the in the father's house, dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Stay there, Mrs. Eddie or Mrs. Evans. Excuse me. Used to give the story of you know you're in this wonderful house where all your needs are provided for. It's warm and comforting and loving, but you in the North Pole. <laughs> you, know, you go out into the, a blizzard. You're the one who leaves the house. This is why we must stay in the house. Um, and I loved what Fairley in her readings Wednesday, she ended from the message of 1901. He of God's household who loveth and liveth the things of spirit. So you see, she's saying we're in God's household. And if you love and live the most, the things of spirit, you receiveth them most. He speaketh wisely, for the spirit of his father speaketh through him. He worketh well and healeth quickly, for the spirit giveth him liberty. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. These are the effects of living in that house. So don't go out into the blizzard stay there um and you can stay there you just have to be, be aware of of your own thinking and where you're going what you're taking in what you're listening to and don't be distracted that would cause you to leave yeah you not think you're missing out <laughs> so. yeah missing out or want to go to you know just idle amusements and and things like that that would draw you out but what does advertising do it tries to make you feel unsatisfied, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It tries to make you feel like you need something more than you already have. That To succumb to that would be to leave your father's house. Yep, yes. Whereas the true, the true, the right state of thought is what? Satisfied. Thank you. 
is to be grateful for what you have. Yes. I think Bruce said that in his testimony, right? Yeah, yeah, made he, man satisfied. he loves yeah. that. He loves it. It's always good to be reminded of that. You're satisfied. You don't want and need. And, um, you know, I, occasionally I'll read about these, these people now writing a lot about being a minimalist, living, having less. And one point, and it, these are all good points. It makes it makes is instead of thinking you need to add this is accretion, add something to what you have. Think about what you do have and how can you use what you do have. Um, and usually there is something in your home that you do have that you can use, and you don't need anything new. I mean, even the, the example was all this exercise equipments or exercise clubs and. Just take a walk, enjoy nature. You know, why do you need more and more stuff? A lot of it is the marketing wanting you to more want more and more things. You really have, if the kingdom of heaven is within you, there's nothing that you do need. It's all there. But you, you must look for it and be grateful for it. And if there is anything you do need, it will be unfoldment. It will unfold to you. It won't be accretion. It will come to you. As a child of God, it will be brought to you, but not wanting more and more and more. Now, Carrie was again busy this week. She found some beautiful articles to do with this lesson. And one, this is one we've had before. And Carol, take note, because anyone I mentioned should be in the Liberator. This might already have been. This was from about a year ago. But it's by F.J. Fluno, 1892, issue of the journal, called Human Limitations. Now, in Parthen's article from the first edition, it brings out what? Well, do, do we have to live to be 70? We can live to be 700. Have you ever wondered, you know, even in the Bible, these people live for hundreds of years and, and never get old? Well, and even medically, you know. Modern medicine knows that you know your body replaces cells every seven years, and there's no logical medical reason why your body should ever wear out. Yeah, Think makes it so, huh? Thinking makes it so. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Eddy's, you know, pages in Science and Health, two forty four to two forty eight, I believe, about age, and that you don't have to grow old. But this article is very beautiful. We quote it. I think we might end with it, too. But anyway, um, it, it talks about how we limit ourselves. It even it talks about Hezekiah. Fifteen years were added. Well, how come not a hundred? I mean, why do we limit ourselves? Why do we think? And, you know, doctors will say, well, you have this disease, so you have so much longer to live. All these limitations. I mean, thanks a lot. Why, why don't we expand our thought? That That's what... This science has an answer to everything. And I'm not necessarily saying we need to live on this earth for 700 years, but maybe we do. Who knows? I mean, if we have a lot to do, we've got work to do. Why not? Anyway, in this article, I'll quote from it. Um, what we seem to know, we don't. What we seem to see, we don't see. What we seem to be, we can't be. We see what we all call days, months, and years, and count our days accordingly. 
We limit our own selves and others as to the number of years that we think we can or cannot live, or they can be added after severe illness. We cut our own selves short and think, forsooth, tis all that God has given. When the shadow has sunk low in the dial, when we are sick and ready to die, we come to Christ in divine science. We seek aid in the spirit of good, but all unconsciously to ourselves, we place a limit for our recovery beyond which we cannot seem to reach. We see eternal life and know tis there and know tis ours, but we cannot seem to claim it as our own and so come into full possession of it. Now with all the rights and titles of perfect ownership, with all restrictions and encumbrances now, henceforth and evermore removed. And then, could the prophet in behalf of the king have overreached his own limit, the 15 years? Extension might have lengthened into eternal life when we, for ourselves or in behalf of another, throw ourselves upon eternal life. We can have added to our years, our health, our strength, our happiness, all that we at the time can conceive as possible to us. God, the infinite and eternal, never set a boundary line beyond which we could not reach. The infinite and eternal spirit has said to all mortality, thus far and no far farther, and here shall thy proud wave be stayed. Yet, to his own in spirit and in truth, God never said, I have eternal life, but you can never reach it. On the contrary, to those that love God, the Christ has ever said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And ye shall ask what ye will in my name, and it shall be given you of my Father. It, it's a beautiful article about overcoming limitations. And we all should be working to do that and not limit ourselves. I mean, we do it in so many ways, but certainly with this belief of age that we can do so much and then, you know, then it's our time's over, whatever it is we think, uh, or all of this aging process is the natural. Like the clock is ticking down. The clock is ticking down, yes. Shoot the clock. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's interesting. About the, I, um, the I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. Now, Jeremy. I would like. Oh, Jeremy, Jeremy, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Go I was ahead. just going to say it's interesting about the 15 years that he said because you know it's not it isn't up to somebody else to like unlimit us. You know, it's up to it was up to Hezekiah to figure that out. You know, beyond the fifteen years, he had to figure it out. Can't be at somebody else's word. Well, that's right. Yes, that's true. Thank you. Okay, who else? Um, I I just wanted to give an example of that. My sister, uh, she can interject if she wants to. Um, it's about her friend's mother, who is one hundred and three. Uh, just recently, um, she she has a walker. She uses a walker, and her husband, who is retired, takes care of her every day, and he takes care of all of her needs. And 
she gets around with a walker, and they live in a home that's an older home in New Jersey, and it has very steep stairs um, that I can, I can recall that. And so one night, the husband took the dog out, was on his way through the living room to let the dog out, and he noticed that there were photographs lying on the floor. Off of, I guess they fell off of the end table. Puzzled as to why that happened. And um, the next morning, when he and my sister's friend awoke, uh, they decided to look at a camera. They have cameras in their home and try to figure out what, what caused that. And they noticed on the camera that her mother, 103 years old, opened her bedroom door and came out with her walker. And she told my sister they have a gate at the top of the stairs that's very difficult to open. Her mother left her walker, opened the gate, descended the stairs, walked through the living room, and said, where is she? And was looking for someone, apparently, turned around, came back, walked up the stairs, closed the gate, took her walker, and went back into her bedroom, walking normally with no problem, no assistance whatsoever. So when you were talking about limitation, in her thought process at that moment, there was no limitation. Yes, and this is proven over and over again. That's why this human life is, is compared to a dream, a waking of which you, you realize that, that you have all, all faculties, all capacity, all m movement in mind, and it's not uh, at all limited. <laughs> Mrs. Evans, we used to have someone in our church um, who was in her 90s. Mrs. Evans would always talk about how she would bound up the stairs um, and she would. She didn't. She was a wonderful example of not aging. And and she would tell. At one point, she told all of us that when we think of who we are, I am Mary Jane Unlimited. <laughs> Put unlimited at the end of your name. <laughs> Yes, and, and also those things we've given you. I'm ageless, diseaseless, and deathless because God made me so. To say that often and always. Uh, no limitations on you. Uh, also in this lesson, and it was brought out in partly of what Parthens wrote about, and, and something that has concerned us all now are these the weather, the weather patterns. And um, I won't read it all because it was in the lesson, but... Citation number seven, uh, over and over, erring power is a material belief, a blind miscalls force, the offspring of will and not of wisdom, of mortal mind and not the immortal. It is the headlong cataract, the devouring flame, the tempest breast, it is lightning hurricane, all that is selfish, wicked, dishonest, and impure. Now, we have had, and we, we as scientists have to be working on the weather every day. We have this little weather committee in our church that works on things um, very specifically. But all kinds of strange things are happening. There was a typhoon in the Philippines and um, just all kinds of things going on. And we must be working on it. Now, what they are saying, what the media is saying, what, they, what do they blame it on? Yes. 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 Now, 
the human mind, okay, listen carefully, for those of you who believe in climate change, the human mind has to have a reason for this, okay? And then they have to have a reason, you know, what you have to do in order to correct it. But it is all on a human level. And if anyone wants to argue with me about this, call me later and I'd be very happy to, <laughs> although I don't argue, but th this is metaphysics, okay? This is metaphysics. Now, what I just read was what we as scientists, it is lightning and hurricane, all that is selfish, wicked, dishonest, and impure. Mortal mind is the culprit. It's mortal mind. And this is how we handle it, by handling the carnal beliefs of the list of what I've given you and know their utter nothingness. And again, go back to the first commandment. We have the solution to this. And, and when you believe in God, it's a glorious solution. And all through the Bible and Mrs. Eddy's time and now, there are just <coughs> wonderful proofs of handling weather, right? Yes, yes. If we bow down to this as uncontrollable climate change and all of this and that and the reason, well, we lose our dominion and our dominion is within so we might not be able to prevent everything, but we don't even know all the things we have prevented. Um, uh, but we individually don't have to live in the mortal dream. And I think that that is the key point. Others may live through their own dream, but we do not have to. Because God never made it, and it's not true. That's well, why you stay in the Father's house. Go ahead, Florence. Since we know better, we must do our work. That's what she, she says many times. The ones, at least we, we have an idea of what's true, so we have to do the best we can every day. And pray always that others will catch on to it. Obviously, they don't know. Um, they must wake up like, you know, we all should in certain in different cases. Yes. Yes. And I remember a while ago reading something about, you know, it was on, on a, a commentary when I was looking up for things for the Bible. Uh, anyway, this this person, it was a Christian Christian uh, website, and they were saying, well, we know Jesus uh, could deal with the weather, but that's certainly something we cannot do now. Well, in science, we know it is, and we know the answer. And is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force? We say a resounding no. It is controlled only by God, the one power, the one creator. Um, Carrie sent something beautiful. She sent it to the Weather Committee, but um, it's from a Reverend Dr. Dr. Crane. And speaking about Christ Jesus, Nothing could disturb the placid deeps of his soul. The fiercest gusts of physical danger never fluttered the clear lamp of his spirit. When the disciples cried out in despair in the storm on Galilee, he slept on. And when awakened, he shook the rain from his hair and rising impurely, calm, laid his hand upon the mane of the tempest, and to the frantic waves he said, Peace, be still. So the storm caught its breath 
in the midst of a roar and whined like a frightened hound at his feet. So the waves bowed their heads and then lay by. For what else could nature's quarreling children do when before them appeared the first gentleman of the universe? Remember the power you wield when you're in the right mind and you break the mesmerism that says you can't, which is what Linda read about and what our watching point was about. It's a mesmerism that says we can't do this. Well, we can't, but God can. And when we stay in the Father's house and we are, we're listening to him, and obeying him the best we can, then as I read earlier from 1901, we are, we are given many gifts. So something I've been realizing more and more is how important it is, like working for the weather or anything else, like my own internal weather has to be right. And, you know, the weather in my house and, and all that, it's got to be <laughs> calm and not, you know, like, I think it's in Dominion Within where there's that quote about Jesus having that sea of glass in his consciousness that people could come to him for peace. And I, I just think that's really important. You can't be all in a tizzy and still do your good work. Thank so. you very much. That's so important. This is why you have to protect your Christ consciousness. That's your most important thing. Don't let it get disturbed and over every passing thing. There are all these quotes about that. and. Kimball's um, short letter on poise. We keep your poise, your inner peace. This is why we study in the morning, not so we go out and go, oh my gosh, what's happening? It's terrible. Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> or pop up and down when some negative thing is presented to you. It's your inner poise. You're knowing this truth. You can't be shaken. You cannot be shaken. Just like that beautiful description of the Christ. And when Jesus said, peace be still what was he speaking to was he speaking to the wind or the waves he was speaking to the fact that being present around he was speaking to blind mortal belief so-called mortal mind he was telling mortal mind to shut up and sit down, <laughs> which we must always do. And that's not personal. We're addressing an error. And that's, that's our power. Rebuking. It, it has to be rebuked. It can't be nice. It must be rebuked. And, and you do it with the authority of Christ, knowing it isn't personal. And that's why Mrs. Eddy says, really, the weather it should be the easiest thing to to deal with um, because it's it has no person involved. There's no personal sense attached to it. <laughs> now, there's also, there were some beautiful things. Louise wrote a beautiful uh, something about Hezekiah, too. I'm not sure I'll get to it. But before that, the idea when um, the Lord said to set thine house in order, and again, Carrie sent me this beautiful article, Divine Order, by Clarence Chadwick. But it says, the call of Christian science to individual consciousness is the prophet's admonition to Hezekiah of old, 
set thine house in order. One who has touched the hem of Christ's healing garment in Christian science has caught his first real glimpse of the divine plan in creation, and he begins at once to readjust his confused mental household. It requires no extended argument to convince him that, like Joshua, he has been clothed with filthy garments, with thoughts of sin, disease, sorrow, and disappointment. And the law of love demands that all these and kindred thoughts be surrendered. It may at first appear to be a Herculean task confronting him, but remembering that the Lord will fight his battles for him, he presses on until the necessary change of raiment is made, and he senses the mental or horrible height from which he is to present his body wholly acceptable unto God. So take heart. Many of you come and you're in this confused, metal, negative state. And all of a sudden, I want healing. I, what's the matter? I'm thinking I've read these pages 390 to 393. Now, why aren't I better? Honey, you're in this confused, mental condition at this point, And you've got to unwind those snarls. And it takes a while. You must bring order to your household. And you can't complain about the process. Complaining about the process doesn't help. I had to do it and still am doing it. Lawrence? I am doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. We got to do it. Bring every thought in captivity. So that command of set thine house in order. Make sure every day, just like you would clean your house up, Every day, you put the dishes out of the sink, you make right. sure your bed's made, you clean your house, you keep it in order. So your thinking must be in order. And when you first come and you've got all this barrage of fearful negative thinking that you're clinging to it, it's not clinging to you, you've got to unwind those snarls and get rid of it. And then when you do, you're going to feel so wonderful. Just great. Now... Louise wrote something very beautiful from the Greckel biography, and I won't have time to get into it, but it's on the forum, and it'll be, I'm sure, in the forum highlights, and it's beautiful. What happened in Mrs. Eddy's time, it was quite dramatic. Um, so if, if you don't read the forum, you all, you all should. It has very wonderful, interesting ideas from, from all of you. So it's time now to end, and we'll end from... Human Limitations by Fluno, the end of it. Um, go ahead, Gary. This is the ending of that article. <clears throat> he asks, How can the shadow be made to turn back in the dial? The jovial old man and pleasant old lady say, If you would have the shadow turn back, you must be youthful. Mingle with the youth, young. Shout with the young and join in their sports. Don't walk with a cane until you have to. And don't walk with an old man's staff when a little limber stick will do. Don't put on glasses until you are obliged to. Don't wear them stronger than necessary. Don't put on number 12s when 24s will do. Don't mingle with those who are always talking about their ills, their diseases, their aches, and their pains, 
their hardships and trials, their vexations and annoyances. Don't mingle with those who always have rheumatism and are forever talking about it, who are always grumbling because their food don't digest well and their clothes don't fit good. Don't stay in a damp, dingy, and dark old basement when you can have a bright, sunny upper room. Don't wear old, shabby clothes when you can have good new ones. Now, this is all well enough on the so-called finite plane, but it will never turn the shadow back. It may, if you can keep clear of all these, prevent the shadow from going down so fast. You can perhaps keep clear of all these in a measure, but only by not being one of them yourself. Yet, you have no standard for all this, and it will be seen at length that all is done only by the human will, which is evil, trying to predominate over error. But when you turn to the spirit of truth, and cry mightily to the Father of all good. Find your way in science up to the summit of material sense and view the promised land in eternal light and life and glory, where not is to be seen but one vast panoramic view of health and youthfulness and vigor and joy and peace and rest for yourself, for me, for all, forever and forever, then will the flush of youth and vigor settle on your face, and elasticity come into your step. You will spontaneously mingle with the young, for old age will have vanished away, and be as though it had not been. You will not mingle with the sick, for sickness will disappear, and be heard of no more forever. The staff will fall from your hand, for infirmity has fled away, and strength is present with you now. The glasses will fall from your eyes, for you see as you never saw before. The shadow will turn back on the dial, not ten degrees only, but back, 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 until no shadow can be seen. For infinite and eternal light is recognized now, and darkness has fled away. Not only 15 years is added to our days, but eternal life, whose limit cannot be found, is with us here and now, and we are gathered home. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.